What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1 a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Hey, hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. Hey, hey. <laughs> your other host, Parvada Sashari from Sports Illustrated. This podcast is being brought to you by Bet Online and Blue Wire. Farbod, last podcast, we talked about how the Clippers had reached the midway point in the bubble, which they went two and two during that stretch. They lost the Lakers. They beat the Pelicans. They lost to the Suns. They beat the Mavericks. Since then, they've played three more games. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. They lost to the Brooklyn Nets and they beat the Denver Nuggets. We're going to talk about these games because there is a little bit of interesting stuff in there. We're going to start with the game against the Portland Trailblazers, which was August 8th, which was Saturday. The Clippers won one, one, almost, I'm trying to say one, 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 22, which is a weird way to say that. That was the randomest win of all time. It was. The Clippers won 122 to 117. Uh, Paul George plays 28 minutes, has 21 points. He leads the Clippers in scoring that night. Landry Shamit had 19. He was good. Reggie Jackson had 17. He was fine. Marcus Morris, 15. Jermichael Green, 13. Uh, yeah, Jermichael Green, 13. Lou Williams, 12. Just to put this into perspective so people understand, Kawhi Leonard did not play. They rested him because it was the first game of a back-to-back. It's completely understandable. Patrick Beverly also didn't play. He's been injured with a left calf issue. Uh, Montrose Harrell was still out on quarantine. Although so he was three, dancing around on the sidelines. You wouldn't even think he was injured. No, no kidding. So those three are out. The Clippers are playing a, a Portland Trailblazers team that has their life on the line every single game. The Blazers score 75 points in the first half. The Clippers then outscore them in the second half to the tune of 53 to 42 end up winning that game by five points. And we're going to get to how it ended in a second, but Farbod, they won that game without their best player, which is a great sign. And they did it against a team that had basically everything to play for. And they beat them, which is like a nice little feather in your cap in the bubble. Is it not? I just remember being like, I I expected them to lose every minute. So I was invested in the game the whole time. And then once they got to the fourth court, and because I was on the radio, and I've made a proclamation that every time we go on the radio, the, the Clippers don't lose. 
And so I was like, oh my God, they're going to ruin my streak. This is going to suck. And then like, once they, once they got towards the end and they pulled everybody out, I was like, do I even care anymore? Like what, what, how am I supposed to feel right now? Yeah. Like, so here's the scenario that plays itself out just so we can kind of go back a little bit in time with about a minute, 40 seconds to go is it was actually 139. If we want to be exact, the Blazers have a 115, 110 lead. Paul George and Lou Williams are not on the floor. Paul George got yanked at about the five and a half minute mark. Lou Williams did not play the last nine minutes. The Clippers went out of their way to do everything in their power to give the Portland every chance to win this game. And lo and behold, they couldn't do it because the Portland Trailblazers give up a 12 to two run to the Clippers bench. And when I say bench, I mean guys who probably aren't going to be in the rotation in the postseason. You mean third spring bench, not even, not even bench bench. This isn't Lou and Trez. Yeah, like Shamit's on the floor. Shamit should get postseason minutes, assuming he's healthy. Patrick Patterson's on the floor. I don't think he'll get postseason minutes for the most part. Magruder's on the floor. I don't think he'll get most uh, postseason minutes for the most part. So you're looking at guys who are going to get spot minutes. Like Jermichael Green's going to get some minutes. Landry Shamit's going to get some minutes. But Terrence Mann ain't getting minutes. And he was on the floor. And the Clippers pull out a 12-2 run. And the... Final salvo of this run is Rodney Magruder hitting a three with 26 seconds to go. Make sure they foul Damian Lillard on a drive. Lillard goes to the line down one and misses both free throws. The Clipper bench, which consisted of at that time, Patrick Beverly, who was sitting next to Marcus Morris and Lou Williams goes ballistic. Patrick Beverly is having the time of his life. He is taunting Damian Lillard, and we'll have more on that in a second. But I want to paint the picture of what happens there. Clippers get the rebound. Jermichael Green makes two free throws. Lillard comes down, takes a pull-up three to tie, misses it off the front iron. Clippers get the rebound. They get the win. Farbod, that game had a postseason atmosphere, even though there was literally no postseason players, for the most part, on the floor for the Clippers. Yeah, that was the most confusing victory I think I've ever experienced where I was just like, okay, they really need a win. Okay, they don't care to win. Okay, they're not going to win. Okay, they won. Wait, they won? Wait, Rodney Magruder? Okay, I guess I'll take it. And it was just like a whole a whole roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, it was, it was a very weird experience. We're going to... We're going to have an ad break a little bit later on. After that, we're going to talk about the entire saga of that game. So stick around for that. But we do want to move on to the Blazers game, which was the next night. And the Clippers did have Kawhi Leonard back. Paul George was the one who sat. Uh, Patrick Beverly and Montrose Harrell still missed the game. Kawhi Leonard goes off for 39 points. He was awesome on the offensive end. He was just incredible. Lou Williams has 18. Terrence Mann goes off for 14 points. He looks good. And the Clippers lost to the Brooklyn Nets by nine. They gave up 23 pointers to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooks, Brooklyn Nets shoot a ton of threes, so I understand. But 23s, they gave up 32 assists on 47 made baskets. This might have actually been the worst defense I, I had actually seen them play in the bubble. Um, If you yeah. consider yeah. who they played against. Yeah, it's the worst. I think it, I, I tweeted it as like the... The 2020 Brooklyn Nets are basically the 2019 Clippers where it feels like everybody's just sleeping on them and being like, oh, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk. 
but they play harder than everyone. It seems like seems it seems like they they legitimately play harder than every other team in the NBA. I gotta give it. I gotta be honest. Uh, Jacques Vaughn should get that job. I don't think they're gonna for you know I, for some reason I don't think they're gonna give it to him. I think they just want like a specific. When you have a Kyrie and a KD playing together, I think they're just gonna want a really specific coach, and they're not gonna roll the dice on him. I think he deserves the job. I don't know if he gets it, but I think he deserves it. The name that has come out a little bit beyond Jason Kidd, who's been linked to the job, is Clippers associate head coach Ty Lue, who does make some sense. He is a championship-winning head coach. He knows how to manage, to some degree, the egos of superstars. So he makes a lot of sense for Brooklyn, but I did want to say I do hope Jock Vaughn gets that job. He deserves it. That team plays their tail off. There's no quit in that team. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. Karis LeVert is awesome. Joe Harris is great. They have just fun players, and I think that matters. The next game, the Clippers played against the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday. This game had everything at stake and also almost like nothing at stake because the Houston Rockets had lost two straight games, and going into that game on Wednesday... Well, so to to pull it back a little bit, when the Clippers lost to the Nets, it was a... It was like, uh-oh, but then the Rockets kept losing after that. I don't think anybody expected the Rockets to just keep losing after that. Right, so when the Clippers lost to the Nets, there was a chance that could fall to four, which means if the Clippers won in the first round, they had to play the Lakers in the second round, which kind of seems like not fun. Not from the standpoint of like, oh, like who would win? It's like it's been hyped as the conference finals, and to get that in the second round would kind of be a little bit of a bummer. But anyways... Clippers go into this game against Brooklyn or against against Brooklyn against Denver, knowing that if they win that game against Denver, they are the two seed. If they lose the game against Denver, they still have a chance to be the number three seed because of Houston's two losses, including an early loss on Wednesday to the Indiana Pacers. It clinched the Los Angeles Clippers with a top three seed. And it also clinched the Denver Nuggets with a top three seed. So those two teams were determining who was number two and who was number three. The Clippers ended up winning 124-111. And to be perfectly uh, honest, Farbod, the Nuggets in the fourth quarter did not play their normal amount of guys. Like Nikola Jokic didn't come out for the fourth. I don't believe Paul Millsap was out there at all for the fourth. But they're also trying to get guys healthy. there without Gary Harris. Um, they're without Will Barton. They're trying to, to keep minutes down somewhat. And you look at their roster from that game. No one played more than really 28 minutes that night. Yeah, it was funny because the first three quarters felt like uh, this is going to be a conference semifinals game. And then the fourth quarter was like, oh, OK, I guess they're just going to let the Clippers win. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's basically what happened. And Paul George had 27 points. He started the game three of 13 and then finished. After that, going six of seven. So he really had a great stretch in the second half. Kawhi Leonard had 26 points on nine of 16. Lou Williams had 23 points, seven assists. Lou Williams was awesome. I did a video breakdown of it uh, on, on Thursday evening. He was awesome. Ivica Zubats, 15 points, 12 rebounds. Fantastic. Marcus Morris, seven points, five rebounds. Didn't shoot well, but did a lot of solid things. Reggie Jackson had 10, 10 points. He wasn't as bad on the defensive end in the Denver game as he was in the Brooklyn game. You look at it, Jeremy Grant had a great night for Denver for about 25 points. I will say, was it? I think it was in March when the Clippers played the Nuggets and they just stomped them, right? I think, was that in March? Fe- uh, February 28th. That was the end of, that was like literally the day before March. Okay, basically March. So Yeah, basically, and they beat him by 29. Yeah, I remember they just stomped them and it was a big game at the time. And 
after that game, I was like, man, I am not scared of these guys at all. With the emergence of Michael Porter Jr., I'm actually a lot more scared of the Nuggets now than I was before. With the emergence of him and Bull Bull, to be honest, but especially him. It just feels like the Nuggets post-hiatus are much scarier and are much more dangerous than the Nuggets pre-hiatus. I would agree with you. I also think a lot of their success in the postseason beyond just the first round. And just to be clear, they are playing against the six seed Utah Jazz. That is a locked in matchup as of right now. Denver, the three seed, Utah, the six seed. Denver is probably winning that probably in like five or six games. Um, what do you say? Probably five. I, I think I would buy into five, to be honest. Um, but what was I say? Oh, Denver needs to get Gary Harris and Will Barton healthy. I think because they're a little bit thin on the wing with them being hurt, it requires Michael Porter Jr. to do a lot. And yes, he has been good in the bubble. I want to preface that by saying he's been good in the bubble. I did think the Clippers picked on him defensively a little bit in the game. So it'd be interesting to see what happens in a postseason series. But because of this win, the Clippers locked in the two seed. And by locking in the two seed, they will play the Dallas Mavericks, who are the seven seed in the first round, which will begin on Monday. Farbon and I will be back for an episode that will come out on Monday that will preview the Clippers Mavericks first round series. So be on the lookout for that. But Farbod, I do want to say, even though the Nuggets did sit their guys, their main, main guys in the fourth, the Clippers scored 74 points in the second half. They looked, their offense looks great. I just want to say that their offense looks great. I think if they meet in the second round, Clippers Nuggets might be a low key, really good series. Yeah. I mean, it's one day I'll be, I think you, you should be sweating just a little bit. I don't think you should be like, oh, they got this. I think you you should be honestly like, if you wanted to be just as worried about that as you would the Lakers series, I wouldn't hold it against you. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you would never expect at a price you would never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, Everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CLIPS 
or dealdash.fm slash clips. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash clips. So the final game that the Clippers have left in the bubble is Friday evening slash late afternoon, 3.30 Pacific time against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The only thing the Oklahoma City Thunder have to play for is whether or not they are the four or the five seed. If you think that's a big deal, it's really not. Their first round opponent is locked in. They will be playing against the Houston Rockets. Um, the Houston so Rockets that series. It could be very interesting. Russell Westbrook is tentatively out for a little while with a hamstring injury or quad injury, I believe. So it's it makes it a little bit a little bit interesting. But about this game on Friday, Farbod. Neither team has anything to play for. You look at the injury report. Patrick Beverly's out with a left calf strain like he has been the last couple games. Montrezl Harrell is out because he's self-isolating still, still under quarantine. It sounded like there was talk that he would be ready to go for Friday's game against Oklahoma City, but it doesn't look like that. And Landry Shaman is also out with a left foot sprain. And in the ESPN broadcast of Clippers uh, Nuggets from Wednesday, Mike Breen of ESPN late in the fourth quarter did mention that Landry Shamit is in a walking boot. Now, as you mentioned to me before we came on here, Doc Rivers has kind of downplayed that injury. Like it's not that big of a deal, but look at it from this perspective, I guess. Like those are two guards, Beverly and Shamit, especially Beverly, but Shamit as well, who are very important and really minimizes and shrinks that guard rotation if they're not in there. And Harold, I don't know what's going on with his quarantine, so that's going to be a big thing. Um, as far as Oklahoma City, Lugens Dort is out with a right knee sprain. He had an MRI. Chris Paul's out with a left hand sprain. They're just going to sit him. Dennis Schroeder is also out. He is also self-isolating. He just came back into the bubble after uh, his wife, I believe, gave birth to a child. So it's nice. That it, but, uh, by the way, best wishes to Dennis Schroeder and, uh, and his wife and the child. I hope everybody's he- healthy and happy. Um but there's really nothing to play for on Friday, Farbod. So in your opinion, how many minutes should Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play? Just the, like literally just part of the first quarter and that's it. I think they're going to do what the Lakers did on Thursday with LeBron and play one of them until halftime and maybe just rest the other or maybe just play both until halftime and then rest the other. I mean, if there is ever, I mean, I don't understand why. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Like play both until halftime, then sit them. You know what I meant? Well, I don't understand why they're both just not out. You like, I don't think anyone would. I don't think anyone would bat an eye if they were just listed as out. I think the problem with listing them as out, to be honest, is that really makes minutes uh, like a ton of minutes for guys. Like you're then going to ask, like, what, like if you give Reggie Jackson forty minutes in that game or thirty five minutes in that game, like. I don't know, man. Like you're like, you know, like he he could get injured and there goes your backup point guard who was your starting guy now. Uh, Like, like, I think you're going to play Kawhi and PG until halftime, probably about 15 minutes a piece. And then kind of figure it out from there. Maybe just give Lou Williams 25, 20, 25. Patrick Patterson is probably going to play 30. Evita Zubas probably going to play 20, 20 to 25. Reggie Jackson's, I guarantee you Reggie Jackson going to play 30. Rodney Magruder's probably going to play 30. Terrence Mann's probably going to play 30. Amir Coffrey and Joe Kim Noah are probably going to be up there in minutes. But you don't want to get other guys injured because that's your depth and you don't know when you're getting Beverly and Shamit back. 
Joakim Noah is going to score 20 points. I'm just saying. All right, let's play a little game. Who's the leading scorer for the Clippers on Friday in that game? Um, I'm trying to think. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Reggie or um, like Reggie, Coffee, or Man, maybe. But hold on, let me just go back to my initial. Joakim No, Joakim No is the leading scorer. He's gonna get. He's gonna get twenty points, twenty rebounds, and twenty assists. Book it. I think Reggie Jackson is going to be the leading scorer because no one else is really going to pretty much shoot for the most part. Also, we get to see Shea tomorrow, baby. Did you just call me baby? Yeah, we get to see we get to see Shea tomorrow. Come on, man. I don't like this podcast anymore. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, so right now through the bubble, through seven team games, Kawhi Leonard is averaging thirty four point two minutes a night. He's scoring twenty eight point eight points pulling down 4.8 rebounds, dishing out 4.3 assists, and also getting 1.8 steals. He's doing this with a 61.8 true shooting percentage, partially because he's shooting 48.5% from three. Paul George, on the other hand, is at 32.8 minutes per game, scoring 25.5 points a night, 5.2 rebounds, 3.8 assists, two steals a night, and he's doing that doing that on a 63.1 true shooting percentage. Farbot, he's shooting 50% from three on eight attempts a game. You know, the, the thing with Paul George, too, which I want to get some some locker room coverage in here, is Paul George had mentioned in a post game that he thinks the bubble is like a shooter's gym. He he said he absolutely loves playing in the gyms in the bubble, and he thinks that's why he's shooting better from three, and that's why you're seeing a lot of other people shoot better from three. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if certain players, it's it's better for them in these arenas. I remember somebody was saying depth perception-wise, it's easier without the stands going in your center view. It's funny you mentioned that. The Clippers and the Spurs are tied with the best three-point shooting in the bubble. They're both shooting exactly 42.0%. Oh, I didn't even realize. I didn't even, it surprised me that the Clippers are tied for the best. Like It's like I would think it'd be the Suns for some reason. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I felt like I saw the Clippers go cold. Like their percentage must have gone up drastically because of that Pelicans game. Like it must a little know. bit, but like they've been they've been pretty good for the most part. Like on a game to game basis, if you just look at the bubble games, like it's pretty like so. This last game against Denver, thirty eight. I'm just going to round up thirty eight percent. Then against Brooklyn, 36, Portland, 44, Dallas, 45, Phoenix was 27 and a half. The Pelicans game was 53 and the Lakers game was 44. So like they've they've been at 40 percent or better in literally four of the seven games they've played. And actually in each game, I shouldn't even say 40 percent. They've been 44 percent or better in four of those seven games. I mean, what's what's impressed you the most about the, the Clippers in the bubble so far? Honestly, their offense, which isn't shocking, because if you watch every team in the bubble, every team's offense is ahead of their defense. It's going to take a while. That's why the playoffs are also going to be interesting to me, because you look at these teams who built their identities on defense, like like Milwaukee's a defensive team, like as good as they are offensively, that's a defensive team. Milwaukee's given up 110.2 points per 100 possessions in the bubble. That's eighth. That's eighth in defensive rating. Only one team which is Toronto has a defensive rating under 105 in the bubble. 
That's crazy. Are you because, are you at all worried about their inability to defend the three though during the bubble? Somewhat and also no, because I feel like all season that's what the Clippers are okay with giving up. And that's a little bit like Milwaukee. Milwaukee's fine giving up threes as long as it's not threes to great shooters. That's fair. That's doesn't doesn't mean I agree with it. It just means I understand the rationale that's taken. Like the Clippers are third in offensive rating in the bubble. Just so people understand they're third in offensive rating, but they're 15th in defensive rating. And that's I, despite that they're still third in net rating. The team in first shouldn't shock anybody. It's the Phoenix Suns. They've been incredible. They're eight. zero. they're not going to make the postseason. They didn't make the play in game, but shout out to the Phoenix Suns. They've been awesome. I kind of wish they would have made the play-in games because I felt like they deserved it for this run. You want to hear an also, interesting thing for the Clippers? Out, we're giving Go shout ahead. out. I'm going to give a shout out to Lester from the Clippers. She likes our podcast, so we like Lester. There we go. Hi, Lester. Um, you want a fun thing about the Clippers in the bubble? I don't know what fun is, but sure. Yeah, we don't have fun anymore. They are playing at the second slowest pace in the bubble. The only team below them is Denver. Huh. I mean, feels like it a little bit. Feels like they just shoot a bunch of... I mean, it felt like, at least against the Nuggets, like the first half of the game was just like, man, these guys are just shooting a lot of slow jumpers. Okay, and, and, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up. I thought that first half, the Clippers looked like they were just both teams. In fact, I will say both teams, the Nuggets did too, where like they were kind of just like jogging up the floor. Like we're just here so we don't get hurt kind of thing. It was very interesting. It was basically the basketball version of I'm just here so I don't get fined. And in the third quarter, okay, we're going to play now. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they were just honestly, they were just trying to avoid injuries. I think like in that first half, like, eh, let's just be careful kind of thing. Another interesting thing uh, from the bubble is Marcus Morris Sr. I do want to shout him out. He catches a lot of flack sometimes. He's averaging just under 30 minutes a night. He he has a true shooting percentage of 60.1. He's making 37.5% of his threes. He's shooting 50% from the field. I genuinely think he's been fine. Like him as the third scoring option in that starting lineup with Beverly out is fine. And I think it's okay that he's not scoring 15, 16, 17 a night. Him getting 11 a night on efficient shooting is very good for the Clippers. But, you know, granted, we mentioned we're going to talk about the playoffs later. There's one thing. Also, I would- real quick, I do want to say Evita Zubats has been incredible, and I'll leave it at that. Go ahead. We talked about how we're going to bring up the playoffs later. Uh, there's one thing I want to end this episode on, and it is the hilarious drama that everybody was talking about throughout the weekend which was paul george damian lillard and patrick beverly getting some beef in the bubble yeah um so because patrick beverly went crazy and was like hooting and hollering and going nuts when lillard missed the two free throws at the end of the clippers blazers game an entire thing started where Damian Lillard in the post-game media huddle, I guess is what I have to call it, he basically says, I ousted Patrick Beverly 
in 2014. I believe it was 2014. I don't remember. It's too long ago. And then he said he ousted Paul George last year. So that's why they're probably still I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, you know, they have great respect for me. So that's probably why, because they expect me to live up to this reputation. And honestly, I mean, he's not wrong. Like his Blazers beat Beverly's Rockets several years ago and he he hit the shot that sent the Thunder home last year and basically broke up the Thunder team uh, and, you know, helped lead the way for Paul George to get to Los Angeles with the Clippers. But it felt kind of weird that he just dragged Paul George in there. It was very random. Because I just want to say, yeah, I just want to say, like, Paul George had not said anything to that point. Paul George did not wave goodbye to Damian Lillard like Patrick Beverly did. He was not going eight. Uh, you know, he was not, he was not losing his mind on the bench. I almost cussed. I was trying not to cuss. He didn't lose his mind on the bench like Marcus Morris or Lou Williams did. He was just there watching. He clapped. Kawhi Leonard clapped when he missed, when Lillard missed the free throws. I went back and watched it. Leonard clapped. George did not wave. He did not do anything. He was just clapping. And Lillard threw a stray at him which it happens. I'm not like faulting anyone here. Um, and so George fires back with stuff. Lillard fires back at stuff. They all three of them go back and forth on Instagram because 2020 is a wild time. Um, Damian Lillard does a sit down with Chris Haynes. Apparently Damian Lillard and Paul George talked and hashed out their beef. Uh, because I guess family members got involved, which is never good. Which they so, did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, so it's good that that's kind of settled. I do want to say there are no good people on this side of this entire thing. Everyone looks childish. And you know what? I'm fine with that. It's bubble basketball. There's nothing to do in there other than peruse Twitter and fish and start drama. So let them have their fun. I got to say, though, how lame is it? That PG had to reach out and apologize. Like, of all the of all the people who has to apologize, he has to apologize. Not the one who was clapping. Not the one who was saying, I want you in the game. Not the one who did it. Like, the, the guy who didn't do anything was the one who decided to be the bigger man and apologize. And he'll still probably get heat for it. Like, fans will still probably be like, oh, PG's soft, whatever. But it's like, it's so lame that, like, a banter like that had to end up in an apology. Like nobody punched each other. Nobody did anything super malicious. Nobody did anything like where it was like, it wasn't Charles Barkley and Shaq fighting where they threw a swing at each other. Like the dude literally clapped on the sideline and somehow such great offense was taken by it. That apologies had to be made. I just, I'm just annoyed that family members got involved. Like, it should never get to that point. Like, that's the point where I think Paul George was like, this is ridiculous. Like, this should never get to this. And here's the thing. I do want to say this. Patrick Beverly's entire role in life has been over the top. That's who he is. He's not going to change. This idea that, like, he's a clown. He's this guy who's just there to just rile people up and do nothing else. That, first off, that is wholly inaccurate. 
And secondly, that completely undermines what he is and who he is as a basketball player, which is a damn good one that plenty of teams chased in free agency and plenty of fan bases wanted their teams to sign. So it's kind of crazy that Patrick Beverly comes out of this in the eyes of people around the Twitter sphere and social media as he's the ultimate bad guy. I don't think there's bad people here. I just think no one looks great. Everyone just looks weird because they had to manufacture drama out of missed free throws. And you know what? If that's what it's taking to manufacture drama, I cannot wait to see every game of the postseason when there's a postgame media scrum. I cannot wait to see the shots that are fired at people for that. I mean, like, dude, at the end of the day, if if you're facing a team that – a 27% three-point shooter is hitting a game winner on you and you're like, they're in their third strings and you miss two free throws, one to tie and one to take the lead. You miss both of them. like, And you missed the game tie in three. I don't know, but the free throws are even worse because it was the, free, it, yeah, it, yeah, tie I know. the game and take the lead. You could you just had to hit one. Win the and game. You, yeah, and you, and you couldn't do that and like they're pointing in their fingers and laughing at you. Like you just got to take it, man. Like... You you missed like and then you move on and you were barking at them beforehand. You were barking at Pat beforehand. Like just take it and move on. Sometimes you just take an L. You don't have to like have a whole sit down special about it. There are no victims here. I want to say that there are no victims. No one in this is a victim. They're all grown men. They all talk trash to some degree. A couple of them patch things up. I do find it funny that there was no report of Patrick Beverly apologizing. I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny, too. Because I just don't think Pat's the kind of guy who would be like, I'm sorry. I think Pat's just like, whatever, like kind of thing, you know. So the, the interesting thing to me is this is all much ado about nothing. This is all just contrived to get us through a bubble. And you know what? Kudos to the players. Could you, they, could you imagine like Joakim Noah having to apologize for clapping behind players all the time? Oh my god, that'd be <laughs> crazy! I still remember Reggie Evans and Blake Griffin getting technical fouls for high fiving over a player. I like a Reggie Evans. Game. I Reggie like Reggie underrated Evans player. That man got boards. Honestly, he was the real board point, man. Honestly, at this point, Blake Griffin's an underrated player. Well, yeah, as man, I'm sad about it. Don't make me sad right now. I saw I saw just quick before we wrap up. um, I saw a thing on the inside the NBA where they're ranking an all decade team and you do a front court and a back court. And Kenny Smith was the only one that was like, you know what? I probably put Blake Griffin on the all decade team on the front court. Like he was the man from like 2010 to 2015. So I was like, he was. That's like half a decade of him being super dominant. It's just unfortunate we have more of a what have you done for me lately type thing. Uh, Real quick, last thing before we get off the air. Kevin Pelton of ESPN just released his latest update for his his wins above replacement player uh, leaders. And I guess at the time now winners because most of the games are over with now. In the latest update for wins above replacement player, Damian Lillard is number one. James Harden is number two. Devin Booker is number three. Kawhi Leonard is six. Paul George is eighth. They are the highest pair of teammates in the bubble 
In between them in seventh, you ready? Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic, their first round opponent. Well, whatever. <laughs> That's going to be a good series, and we're going to talk about that on the next one. That'll, that one will be out Monday. I just want everyone to know. The Clippers look like they are a machine offensively, but you still would like people to get healthy for the postseason. And and look, whatever happens, happens. This has been fun. I like how Kawhi and PG are looking. This is the best that tandem has looked all season. By far. Am I wrong? No, that's probably the best. Uh, the only other time I can think of is that Minnesota game, and that's it. And that was a one-off where they both look that good. This is like several sustained games. Yeah. So look, whatever happens in the postseason happens. I'm just having fun with this team. I think everyone should. The first thing you should always do is just try to wait, try your best to have fun because these moments are fleeting and I want everyone to stay safe. You sound like such a dad right now. I'm just going to let you know. I sound like (laughs) such a what? Dad. Well, you know, you got to be what you got to be. Farbaugh, do you got anything else? Just put your seatbelts on. Yeah, because, hey, <laughs> as Ralph Lawler used to say, you know, so look. I just don't know what to expect on Friday because there might be like a whole one and a half actual decent players. that get a lot of minutes. And besides that, who knows, baby? But look, I'm very close to getting my accurate four and four prediction for the bubble. Close. We shall see. We shall see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. We'll see you next, well, next, technically next week. We'll see you Monday. See you in a couple days. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts.